This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to two openings of Scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and John chapter 15. I want to start a, a new series this morning. One that we've taught numerous times throughout the years called Steps to Answered Prayer. I'll start in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul, after instructing the church to put on the armor of God so that they're prepared to stand against the work of the devil, said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Other translations say instead of praying with all prayer, and you would well understand the fact that the, the language says praying with all prayer, it's got to be talking about different kinds of prayer. Well, that's what other translations relate. Praying with all kinds of prayer or, different, or all manner of prayer. I like Goodspeed's translation on this. It says praying with using every kind of prayer and entreaty and at every opportunity praying in the Spirit. I like that. My point is very simply this with this verse of Scripture, and that is that there are different kinds of prayer. Well, we could certainly understand that there would be different kinds of prayer for different purposes. But if different prayer produces different purposes or different results, wouldn't that also mean that they have to have different rules to pray by? Otherwise, if you use the same rules for every kind of prayer, it'd be the same kind of prayer. That's really the point that I want to get to. James chapter 5 and verse 16, the last part of the verse says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means you can be effective in prayer or you can be ineffective in prayer. The effectual or effective fervent heartfelt prayer of a righteous man avails much. I think too much of the church has wasted their efficiency through a lack of understanding in prayer. I believe it's too late in the game for us to be ineffective in our prayer lives. Amen? Well, I want to talk to you in this series about one kind of prayer. That's the prayer that receives from God. Now, it is, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 15, it is, in my thinking, the prayer that most of the church prays most, if not all the time. What I mean by that is most Christians' prayer life, as it seems to me, you judge it for yourself. And again, I hope you don't fall into this category. But it seems to me that most Christians are always praying for God to give them something. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. He gave Jesus, and the Bible says if he gave Jesus, which was his best, how will he withhold anything else from us? He wants to give to you. But even when it comes to asking God to give you something, you can pray ineffectively. Just because you're asking God for something doesn't mean that it's a guaranteed result unless you follow the, follow the instructions, Holy Ghost given instructions to receive. Amen. The Bible says very specifically that if you meet the Bible conditions, God's conditions for prayer, you'll get an answer every time. 
John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. Jesus is leaving no room for God to get out of this. There is no wiggle room in this whatsoever. Jesus is guaranteeing a result if you meet the conditions. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's conditional. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Notice it in verse 8, it goes on talking about the same thing. He said, herein, in this way, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Now, what kind of fruit is he talking about? He's talking about you asking what you will and getting the answer. The fruit that he's talking about is you receiving from God. And notice that that glorifies God. If Jesus knew what he was talking about. Herein, in you receiving answers to your prayer, in you receiving from God, herein is my Father glorified. God wants you to get answers more than you want the answers. God wants you to receive what you need from him more than you want to receive it from him. Well, why don't people receive then? Well, we see in the Garden of Eden that the work of the devil is to try to rob you of what God's already promised and provided for you. That's what the Garden of Eden experience was all about, isn't it? God had provided man everything that he would ever need. He put him in charge, given him authority over all the works of his hands. Say, uh, um, excuse me, Adam was in that sense the God of this world or the ruler of this world. And what was the devil's work? To try to take from him, steal from him, what God had already provided. Well, is there any reason to think the devil's changed his operation? None whatsoever. The devil's still doing the same work. Not because he's faithful, but because that's all he's got. He's still out after to do the same work that he did in the Garden of Eden. And that is to rob from you what God has provided for you. Or the means to receive from him whatever you need. So first and foremost, I think we need to identify that the number one reason why most Christians don't receive from God is first and foremost, they don't meet the qualifications. They don't meet the conditions Jesus set out. Secondly, because they allow the devil to steal from them what God has made available. Well, I don't want that to be me, do you? It doesn't have to be. Notice how many times the word you is in that verse, uh, in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Notice it doesn't say you shall ask what God wills. It says you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. Folks, I want you to understand something. I want to say this as clearly as possible. 
you getting answers to your prayers depends more on you than it does on God. Because God doesn't change whether you meet the qualifications or not. God doesn't change whether you prepare yourself against the work of the devil to steal it from you or not. God is the same. His provision is abundant. And his will is clear. He wants you to receive. So if we don't receive, it's not his fault. It's ours. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. These four steps will guarantee you an answer to prayer every time to receive what you need from God. Now I want you to turn back with me to the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. The first step is very simply this. You've got to prepare to receive. You've got to prepare to receive. I used to call it you have to prepare to pray. But it really goes further than that. You have to prepare to receive. One of the best quotes that I've ever seen, I just saw recently, and it's by a friend of mine. I never would have expected he had come up with something this profound. He'd say the same thing about me, so don't get upset. But he said this. He said, rising to the occasion is a myth. You never rise above your level of preparation. Man, I like that. And he's right. This idea that whatever's on the inside of us will just come out all of a sudden and show up and save the day. That never works. But if we prepare, if we put the right things on the inside of us, then when the time comes, we've got something to draw from. And that will lead us into victory. Joshua chapter 1 is the open secret to success. God is speaking to Joshua who's taking over as the leader of the children of Israel now that Moses has gone off the scene. God talked face to face with Moses. He appeared in the cloud of glory, the pillar of fire. He defeated the enemies when Moses raised his hand. He parted the Red Sea when he stretched out his rod over the waters. Joshua has a hard act to follow. And God tells Joshua, here's the secret to success. Now, he's already told him, I will be with you even as I was with Moses. But then God tells him what to do so that he can work with him 
like he did with Moses. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law, that's all they had of the word of God. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking about my word. Shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then, everybody say then. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, he says, you make your way prosperous. Now, most Christians are looking for God to do something for them. Most Christians are praying that God will take care of the devil, fix their situations, give them whatever money they need, and make sure that they walk in health. Yet that's completely contrary to what what God is saying to Joshua in what is definitely the secret to success. It's got to be a secret because most Christians don't operate in it. But it's not an unknown secret. It's a hidden. It's a, an open secret. It's not hidden from anybody's view. It's right there for anybody to take advantage of. Well, what are we to do to ensure that we make our way prosperous and have good success? One translation, I think it's the Amplified Translation, says of that last phrase, and thou shalt deal wisely in the affairs of life. Well, if you're going to have success in life, you're going to have to deal wisely in the affairs of life, aren't you? So you can see how that fits as well. So what are we going to have to do to ensure that we make our way prosperous? Now, if God was going to do it for us, he would have told Joshua up front, wouldn't he? I think what a lot of people think and the idea that a lot of people have is that God must have told Joshua, and we know that Joshua had success. We know he has successfully led the children of Israel into the promised land and overcame all the obstacles and the enemies and so forth and dispossessed them from the promised land to take possession of it. So we know that he had success, but it seems to me that most people must think that God said to Joshua, just lay back, take it easy, go where I tell you to go. When I tell you to move, you move, and I'll make sure everything happens just right. And if they think that, then they become disappointed and disillusioned because that's not the way it works with them. So then the enemy comes and brings condemnation and says, well, there must be something wrong with you. So you can well see why many Christians are confused about how things work and who God is. But if we examine what God really said, God said, Joshua, your success will be determined by what you do. I'll be with you like I was with Moses. But that doesn't mean you don't have a role to play here. Well, what is his role to play? What part does he play in this? Number one is a relationship with the word. He said, you're going to have to make the word of God first place in your life. This book of the law, my word, shall not depart out of your mouth. Now, how do you keep something from departing out of your mouth? Every word you say, once it's gone, is gone. How do you keep it from departing out of your mouth? There's only one possibility, and that is you have to keep saying it. You have to keep saying it. So he's saying, my word is going to have to be on your lips all day long and all night long. And notice what God calls that. 
God calls that meditating in the word by speaking the word of God. Now, what happens when you speak the word of God? Well, there are other scriptures. We don't want to take just make a doctrine off just one scripture. There are other scriptures in the Bible that talk about meditating. We may come back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, but let me refer you to a couple of other places. Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Sounds a lot like Joshua 1.8, doesn't it? In Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them about thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman. Now this is something that, uh, that uh, I need to point out as well. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, God talks about the covenant, the new covenant, the relationship that we have with him now. And one of the things that he said would be different about the new covenant from the old covenant is this. Jeremiah 31, verse 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Well, that's got to be talking about the new covenant, doesn't it? That's got to be talking about the day that we live in, not the Old Testament. So I want you to notice some things. First of all, it says that God's plan under the new covenant, this is not even, not even what Joshua had. Joshua didn't have what we, is something as good as what we have, and he had the promise of success. The Old Testament promised to, even the old covenant keepers success through meditating in the word. Well, would God want to change that when Jesus came and died on the cross? No, the Bible says we have a better covenant established upon better promises. So that means the success of the Old Testament shouldn't compare to the success of the New Covenant because we have God living on the inside of us. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it make sense that God would produce greater results where he is and in whom he lives than in just those that served him as they did under the Old Covenant? Well, what was God's plan? Well, the Bible identifies God's plan as putting his law in our hearts. To write it in our hearts. How do you write the word of God in your heart? How do you get the word of God in your inward parts? Psalm 45 verse 1 tells us how you write the word of God in your heart. My heart is indicting a good matter. I will speak of the things which I have made touching the king. The last phrase is what I want you to see. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. In other words, the reason that the the secret, the open secret to success is meditating in the word, speaking God's word, is that it writes the word of God on your heart. 
It writes God's word in your spirit. There's a big difference between reading the word and having a mental knowledge that God said something and having the word of God written in your heart. Or we can say it this way, having the revelation of God's word in your spirit. I don't know of any Christians that don't know that Jesus promised that whatever you ask in his name, the Father would give to you. But does that work for everybody? John 16, 23, Jesus said, And in that day you shall ask me nothing, but whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Well, why doesn't that work for everybody? Because they're not following the rules to receive. They're not following the rules that govern the prayer that receives from God. You're going to have to make preparation to receive. What preparation should we make? Should we make? Well, first of all, you're going to have to decide what you want from God and then find scriptures that promise it to you. Because the prayer of faith always begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know that the Bible promises you something, then you cannot have confidence or faith. Those are interchangeable terms in this setting. You can't have confidence that God will hear and answer your prayer. Now, John, writing to the church, said this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Well, see, Pastor Mike, that means that we should always pray if it be thy will. Well, you can't pray the prayer of faith and say if it be thy will. Because faith begins where the will of God is known. But how are we going to know the will of God? God's word is his will. If you find the scriptures that promise you what you want from God, you have identified his will on the subject. That's why it's so important for you to find the scriptures that promise you whatever it is you desire. Remember what Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. One of the things that's interesting about verse 8 that we didn't cover while we were there is that the prayer life of the believer is evidence that he's a disciple. Herein, you receiving answers to your prayers. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. The world ought to be able to look at us and tell by the things that we receive from God that we follow him. That's what Jesus said. Folks, the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Bible says that God told his people to put him in remembrance. Now, is God forgetful? Does God need us to remind him what he said? Because he forgets? Well, certainly not. Well, then what's his purpose for wanting us to bring him his word? To show him that we know what he said. You're going to have to decide what you want from God. You're going to have to find the scriptures that promise you those things. And you're going to have to be ready to use those scriptures against the devil when he comes. Now, most people that fall to the attempts of the devil to rob them of what belongs to them 
do so because they don't make preparation up front. They're not ready when he attacks. And when he attacks, it's too late to go find out what to do. That's why preparation is so important. That's why getting these scriptures down on the inside of you and being armed with them is such a critical issue because he will come. He'll bring doubt. He'll bring fear. Not at the time you pray. Now, you may have noticed that step one doesn't even get to the time that you pray yet. It's talking about what you do ahead of time. And this is a biblical principle, again, that so many Christians seem to fail to understand. In Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks about be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's talking about putting that stuff on ahead of time. He's talking about becoming established in this truth before the devil attacks. That's what the word of God will do for you. You write the word of God with your tongue. You write the word of God on your heart with your mouth. God told Joshua, here's the secret to success. The word of God, my words, shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For the purpose of doing, being a doer of the word. For then, after meditating and doing the word, then you'll make your way successful. Make your way prosperous and have good success. That's God's way for success. To speak the word continually. Now folks, day and night belongs to meditating in the word. The rest of your time is yours. He seems to be placing a great burden on us, doesn't he? He's showing us the importance of never letting one moment of our day go by without the word of God being at the forefront. Now, you can meditate on the Word of God while you're doing other things. One of the things that, uh, that seems to me that people make a mistake in, and don't get me wrong, I'm all for Bible reading programs. I'm in one every year myself. But it, I would rather meditate, and I, I could even go so far as to say this, God would prefer for you to meditate on one scripture that has to do with your situation, and him helping you in your situation than reading chapters of the Bible every day. Because so many times we'll read chapters and get very little out of it other than the historical reference or whatever it might be. But you take one verse of Scripture, just one, and meditate in it. Say it to yourself over and over and over again. Pretty soon that one Scripture will get down on the inside of you. And when it gets down on the inside of you, then it's ammunition for you to use against the enemy to receive from God. So step number one, decide what you want from God. Then find the scriptures that promise you what you want. And get those scriptures down on the inside of you through meditating in the word. Get those scriptures down on the inside of you. James 1.22 tells us to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It's when we put the word of God in practice and act on what God said to do, that's when the blessings of God become real in our lives. Thanks for watching today. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. It's important for you to realize that God wants your prayer life to be so effective that you get answers every time. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.